Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for uh, the first album of the month, which obviously means a request here at the Metal Exchange. And this week we're going to do the Australian power metal band Lords Set in Stone from 2009. But before we get there, Chris, how are you? How was your week? It was good. Uh, you were there. So. Yeah, we, we were. We, uh, we enjoyed a wedding for uh, a longtime friend of ours. Somebody who's actually in the music industry. So I, uh, we tried to get a live recording at the wedding, but for some reason he had no interest in having us record there. <laughs> he seemed to have other things going on. So he was definitely, uh, definitely preoccupied. And before I get into some of the albums and songs that kind of came out this week or stuff that we were listening to, Tool must have listened to the episode and said, no better time to, to announce a U.S. tour than the day our episode uh, dropped this past Monday. Uh, Tool announced a full U.S. headlining tour. They kick off in January and they'll be going through the spring, uh, which is really nice to see. I guess it's kind of like the second leg of the Fear Inoculum tour. Um, I'm going to try to catch it. They're actually playing not far from me at all. Um, so when I know tickets, I think, have just gone on sale. So I'm going to try to grab a pair, uh, which I just thought was really, really timely. Yeah, they should um, They should just play the same night AEW's in town and then you could kill two birds with one stone. You just need to put them in a bigger arena. Um, what did you listen to this week? I know it was kind of a shortened week as we were both away. Believe it or not, I actually listened to something this morning. <laughs> I, I managed to <clears throat> squeeze in. I had to listen to the new Beast in Black single, One Night in Tokyo, which, um, whereas the the first single was a little bit um, on like the mid-tempo and it kind of, if you watch the music video, seemed to have uh, kind of like a, a, a theme to it. This one was kind of your more typical Beast in Black, fast-paced, electronic, like heavy, keyboard-heavy, like, you know, classic Beast in Black, as classic as a band that's about to release their third album can be. But um, I, uh, I, I enjoyed that song quite a bit. And I also saw that um, Ronnie Atkins' acoustic EP released on um, Friday. I haven't had a chance to listen to all the songs from it, but being that it's Ronnie, I'm sure it's going to be great. So uh, I look forward to that. And um, also last week, uh, another band, I'm really looking forward to their entire album uh, ad infinitum released another single from their upcoming album chapter two legacy and uh that track is called afterlife so um yeah those are a few things too and i also had an interesting band i don't know if you've ever heard of them but our friend mike uh crea sent it to me is a band called written by wolves and the song was called to tell you the truth and that that a very 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 cool music video kind of has like um more of like a, a modern rock, prog rock kind of vibe, but um, another good track that uh, something a little bit different than what I'm used used to listening to or we're used to talking about, which is always welcome. So, just a few things to mention. I um, I obviously you mentioned a number of my favorites. I have not heard "Written by Wolves." I will definitely check that out, and I'll try to post it this week for everybody's benefit, including my own. Uh, I just want to mention two other things that I think are really noteworthy. Uh, Italian uh, power prog metalers Eldritch released their new single, Cry of a Nation, which was honestly one of the best Eldritch songs I've heard in, I don't want to even say years. I, I'll go back and say decades. This stuff was really, really good. And if you're a fan of the stuff from like Headquake and El Nino, you're going to love this, love this track. So 
I'll try to post that this week. I noticed that it was written by um, keyboard player Oleg Smirnov, so I'm wondering if that has anything to do with it. Um, he was such I a don't... good songwriter, and he's back in the band apparently as a full-time member, and I think that that's why the sound harkens back to the old albums uh, because he wrote a lot of that older material uh, really, really good, and I look forward to hearing more from them just because it feels like it had been a while, and their last two albums were really good, but this this song I just found to be fantastic. Yeah, um, I haven't heard it yet, but I, I I literally just downloaded it, so um, I'll be listening to it very soon. And then one other album, which uh, I did hear in its entirety, and I think I played the thing about five times this week. The new album by Sleep Token. Uh, the the album is called The Place. Oh, sorry, This Place Will Become Your Tomb. I will go and say at this point it's easily a top 10 album for me and I just keep playing it over and over and it's kind of a unique take on modern prog rock or prog metal. Uh, I don't even know how to describe these guys. It almost sounds like something you would hear on modern rock radio. Uh, it's got like a bit of an alternative vibe, but it's just really clean sounding with this uh, incredible vocalist who, you know, he doesn't have the, that soaring vocals that sometimes we're, we, we talk about, like we're about to talk about in a few minutes with the Lord album. Uh, but it's just, um, it's just music that you can kind of just listen and relax and chill to. And it's just like intoxicating is, is the word I would use. Uh, and the, the band's kind of a mystery when they perform live, they have masks on. So you really have no idea who these guys or, or girls are. Uh, but, one of my up-and-coming favorite, favorite bands. They've only been around for about five or six years, uh, but this album, if it's any indication that the future is very bright for these guys. I literally just bought it on your recommendation alone, so I will definitely give that a shot. I will send um, you 15 bucks if you don't love the album. It's, it's, I, I think it's, it's different, so you can't go into it thinking it's the new Dream Theater album or something that you've heard that's right. tried and true. Just listen to it for what it is. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Let's see if it ends up on my uh, best of 2021 list by the end of the year. That's that's, that is kind of the goal because uh, without giving too much of a spoiler, it's already in my top 10. And, also, and I, I, by the way, I was just looking at the Eldritch um, track list and the, the last track, they do a cover of uh, Bon Jovi's runaway, which is like oh, that's one of my, probably my favorite Bon Jovi song ever. So I look forward to hearing that Eldritch is, done a couple of cool covers over the years including my sharona and they do a good job with those 100 percent. and uh with that let's get into the reason why we're here uh listener of the show rob hamilton had asked us to do lords uh set in stone uh, you're gonna some, say rob halford i got really I, excited if he's he's more than welcome to join us as well I, the metal exchange is, is is definitely open for business uh but rob hamilton uh wrote in and i'll just read a little bit about what he wrote before we before we dive into the album he said Quote, Lord has been one of my favorite bands since I first saw them in their previous incarnation as Dungeon in Melbourne in 2001, a show which left me buzzing. They released a number of high quality albums, but really stepped it up a level when they became Lord and added a variety of new elements to their sound. Their latest release, Fallen Idols, is fantastic and received a lot of positive press after its release a couple of years ago, but my favorite album of theirs is still set and sewn. It offers perhaps their widest range of styles of any of their albums, making each song distinct and meaning that one song does not blend into the next something we'll get to. Uh, the musicianship and vocals are top-notch, resulting in an album that's worth listening to many times over. I thought it was a great summary and kind of really set the stage for what we're about to talk about. So thank you, Rob, for those words and obviously for the request. And with that, we'll talk about some Lord. 
when did you first hear these guys or had you heard of Dungeon or had you uh, really just gotten into the Lord material in the early 2000s? I did not know of Dungeon until I became familiar with Lord. I'm trying to remember where it started for me. I'm trying to remember if I met the bass player, Andy Dowling, um, before I even knew of the band. You know, I'm usually so good at at remembering these kinds of things, and this one has me a little bit stumped. Um, I know that when they were announced to play at Prague Power that I was excited about the announcement. So at that point I was um, a fan of the band, but I just for the life of me can't remember. Let me see the earliest track I added to my iTunes collection. You know, it looks like I just bought their entire back catalog at in 2015. Um, I must've like heard one song or, or somebody said something about something. And I was just like, I heard one song and I was like, I'm just going to, just dive in and uh, because it looks like I bought their entire catalog of albums. And then when, um, and then shortly after that, their EP, what tomorrow brings came out. And that was the first thing that I really uh, dug into with Lord. And and it had, it started with this 25 minute uh, like epic opening track um, self, you know, or the album title, what tomorrow brings fantastic. And then with this great Lord is, and we'll talk about this for sure is like the, the, one of the best cover bands <laughs> for a band that's not a cover band. They do so many great covers and their most recent release was a compilation of all the covers they did. And on this one, they had, um, you know, the police's message in a bottle and Halloween, someone's crying, which is like of all the Halloween songs to choose. They went with a, a random uh, Roland song from pink bubbles go eight. Like um, I'm so happy you mentioned that. Obviously we'll get into some of the later material, not in as much depth, obviously, but just they, they are, you, you mentioned Eldritch earlier with their covers. Lord is like the, the, the king of the covers. And, and when they covered someone's crying, I couldn't believe it because if you, if you gave me a list of 50 Halloween songs, that probably wouldn't have been on the list. It may not have been in the 100 <laughs> that I would have expected. Uh, but they, they do a great job with that. But their original material is good, is very good too, obviously. I had first heard of Dungeon back around 2000. I think I had just started listening to Vanishing Point and Black Majesty and one other band, Pegasus, uh, who in, in retrospect, I, I don't enjoy nearly as much as I used to, but you had all these, up-and-coming Australian bands, and the one that I heard was this band Dungeon, but I never really heard their material. And for whatever reason, Lord kind of just went under the radar for me. I had heard songs, but I never heard albums. So as much as I'm familiar with some of their newer material, I don't think I had ever heard an album straight through by the band. So this was really kind of eye-opening for me. I did not know what to expect. I, I knew the general sound, uh, I did not see them at Prague Power, but I had heard that that show was absolutely packed and one of the best opening sets that that festival had ever had. Uh, so this was really exciting for me, and I'm, I'm happy that Rob chose the album. Uh, I did a little bit of research in terms of just where this fits in the pantheon of, of Lord albums, and a lot of people have it as their favorite. Um, not sure if that's uh, because of just the diversity of the album or if it's because it was just the... the uh, you know, kind of where they were as a band at the time. But for some reason, this is, this is a very, very highly regarded album. And I can certainly see why. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, like, unfortunately I 
don't know the albums in and out as well as I would like to. And, and, and I think we both discussed like really going back and, and kind of, I mean, I definitely don't know much of the dungeon material um, other than um, some of the songs that Lord would go, they, they went back and re-recorded the entire dungeon discography and released this special uh, Lord dungeon era box set, um, which I think, has four full albums just completely recorded. Um, There's uh, some bonus stuff with some original demos and stuff. So there were some songs like Toronto Del Mar and Steelheart, um, uh, Nether Life, Black Roses Die, just a few songs I knew they were going to play at Prog Power that I kind of prepped myself with, but I always was a little bit overwhelmed with the amount of material between Dungeon and, and Lord that was available. So like, I, I don't I probably know more of the covers than I do of the yeah. original material but the original material I do know I, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of it and this album is definitely no exception yeah it's funny when I was hearing when I was listening to the album the first time I said to myself you are going to absolutely eat this up just because I know your your taste and it was such a nice contrast to, to the tool album we discussed last week because it's you know apples and oranges here you're in two completely different ballparks uh, we'll get into the band just to introduce the introduce the guys in the band the singer uh guitarist keyboardist and bass player extraordinaire lord tim it's kind of his band he was he was uh, you know what people think of when they think of that old uh, dungeon material but he brings in uh tim yatris the drummer and keyboardist who also does backing vocals on on the album uh andrew dowling or andy dowling as we like to call him who does bass and backing vocals and then mark fertner who also does guitars and keyboards uh as well this particular album also has a ton of guests most of whom <laughs> appear on a title track or an album track called be my guest which is fitting and we'll, we'll get to that in detail because i happen to love that tune um, i was disappointed it wasn't a cover from beauty and the beast but it, yeah. <laughs> when i saw it and having not heard it i wasn't sure if that's where we were going with this but it's it's definitely not that and i guess i'll, I'll ask you what were your thoughts when you first heard this album and then did it change kind of over the week as as you as you kind of dove into it deeper yeah, I, I, as a matter of fact, it completely did. Like, I, I mean, the first time I listened to it, and and again, like, I should mention that typically when I, I'm prepping for our episodes, like, I listen to the album we're going to do for the first time on Monday, which is never really a day that I'm feeling particularly inspired. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of times, like, even same with when I listen to Tool the week before, I was just kind of like, you know, like, it's Monday, like, I just want to finish this day so I can go lay down on the couch and you know, go eat dinner. Um, <laughs> big, big, big lofty goals you have there. Yeah. I mean, on a Monday, it's about all I can strive for, but, uh, but so, you know, I guess it kind of all ran together for me. And I mean, if I was kind of like really into whatever it is I was doing for work and I might not have been paying as close attention, but as the week went on and I kept listening to it, like each song kind of, um, you know, kind of grew into a more unique sound to me. And I, I ended up really, understanding um or or just appreciating everything that was on this album and i was surprised that a power metal album would be a grower for me because that's usually how i am with prog metal where it's like i I need to let it kind of set in and um but in this case it kind of a little it was for me and one of the things i found really interesting is that i found that they there are so many elements of other power metal bands that i would hear um and I, I'll wait until we talk about each individual track to kind of point them out. Um, 
it's just really interesting because they still manage to have a signature Lord sound, but at the same time, you get these little sprinkles of of other bands that I'm sure inspired them. I am curious to see if you heard the same bands that I did because there were there wasn't really a blatant ripoff anywhere. I, it's not that egregious. But the inspiration behind it, I think, was clear. And I'm wondering if we kind of hit on the same bands with some of these songs because then I know it's not just me because I definitely noticed that as well. The first time I listened to it, I said to myself, this is pretty, you know, this is, this is, it's a good album. Like it, it's, 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 it's not bad by any means. And, and there were, there was stuff here that I kind of latched onto. By the third listen, I was really enjoying it. And I was, it, it went from like, I can listen to this to actually wanting to listen to it, if that makes sense. Um, and to your point, not, that usually doesn't happen with power metal. I don't need it to marinate. It usually just either hits me right away or I'm, or I just kind of go in a different direction. This one was a grower and that was good because as I, you know, by the, I think, I think I listened to it five times by the fifth listen, I really knew the tracks and I was really enjoying myself and looking forward to the next one because I knew what it was, you know, as I was kind of going into it. So let's just get into it. I guess the, it's the, the, the track starts, or I should say the album starts with a kind of a, a, a weird opener specters of the ascendant. It's, it's an instrumental track, but there's really not much to it. It's kind of different than a lot of what the power metal bands were doing 50, you know, 10, 12 years ago with like these lofty, um, lofty uh, symphonic instrumental tracks. This is more of just like an ambient, like ghost type thing. And then it just, kicks right off into Redemption, the first real track on the album. Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me, like, it's funny you should mention that, because, like, I think of, like, Halloween kind of being the the first uh, power metal band to, like, do that, you know, on the Keeper albums. You had um, Initiation and Invitation, where it was kind of, like, this grandiose, like, um, or, like symphonic, classical-style intro that goes and, like, blasts into the next like super heavy power metal track. And this one reminded me also of Halloween, but on like a later album, like um, dark ride where it was a little bit more like kind of this like creepy kind of intro, like, like, um, you know, like beware the music is going to come and get you shortly. Um, so yeah, like in a way it was nothing like Halloween and just like Halloween all in one fell swoop. But, um, it, it, it but it does go into redemption and it's like, all right, we're going to get, uh, let's get, let's get the show on the road here. And so this was the first thing I thought of hearing this track was labyrinth. Did you hear that? I, I actually have in my notes, gamma ray and I'll explain okay. why a blazing riff to, to open the album. I do agree. You have a lot of double bass drum here, which definitely reminds me of, of labyrinth in that sense. But you know, that this is like classic power metal. The second this starts, with the, with the soaring vocals over the top, and, and, and I have in my notes, good range. And, and I wrote that because I, I don't think I ever realized the range um, that Tim has when he's singing this stuff. But he can he can definitely do something in the lower octaves. But when it's time to put his foot on the gas, he really kind of soars over the top of this stuff. Uh, I think it's a really good opening track and with a, with a catchy chorus. Not my favorite track on the album, but it, it really sets the stage for, for the next 10 tracks. Yeah, I think the lo- his lower register kind of reminded me of of um, Rob Tyrant's lower register right at the very beginning of the song. So I, can, I think that's why I picked I picked up a, a labyrinth vibe. But 
I, I get gamma ray vibes, um, especially the the dual guitar um, all throughout the album. So I yes. definitely agree with you there. Yeah, and, and it was funny because as I was listening to it, I I, I I could just tell it reminded me of something as as a lot of power metal does, obviously. But I, I definitely thought it was uh, noteworthy there. What's interesting though is this took a real zig where I thought it was going to zag, and by that mean I mean the the second real track is called "A Hundred Reasons." This is an outlier track for me, and it's one that even though it got better as the week went on, I still don't think I understand why this track was placed where it was. It is really kind of like an 80s Motley Crue song that kind of evolves into an Ed Guy song later on. I don't, I, I don't, I, I, it's not that I don't like it. It just seems like it was not where I would have put this track. I would have buried it deeper on the album, if that makes sense. This was my song of the week. Get out of here. Was it really? <laughs> yeah. I just, I think that the, the, um, the vocal line in the chorus is such a is such a catchy melody. I, I just I love the song. It's just um, I agree with you that it doesn't. It feels a little bit out there um, compared to the rest of the album. But I think that's what I really like about it. Yeah, it's it's definitely different. It's 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 an outlier. Um, and and the first time, I'll, I'll be completely honest. When I heard it on Monday, I said to myself, "Ooh, I, I, I don't. I'm not crazy about this." Um, but at the same time, you know, as I as I kind of got deeper into it, I said to myself, "It got better." It just it, it never kind of clicked, and I, I I I just wish it was somewhere else. But I certainly appreciate that, and I'm glad you chose it because it will force me to listen to it again. Um, but now we really, to, to me, is when the album really starts picking up with Eternal Storm, which is the fourth track. What did you think about that? Um, I, like heavy, like whereas like 100 Reasons was a little bit more, I think, almost like a pop metal song. Um, this was like, all right, now we're going to, I mean, that's, and again, this is such a great example of how varied this album is, um, which is weird for me to have thought that it all kind of blended together the first time I listened to it because now I listen to it and it's like each song really has its own uh, distinct flavor I think but this one definitely has uh, a bit of a more crunchiness to it a little bit more a little bit thrashier than than the last track um another really good tune I like this one a lot um and definitely just a very different song from 100 Reasons a hundred percent and I think the the contrast really does make it pop a little bit it's a little bit repetitive for me uh, but I do think the guitar work on this song especially was really, really good. Uh, the next track is is the title track, Set in Stone. And, and this, to me, is a really great tune. 
a little bit of a simple, but certainly a catchy riff. This, the, this was the song where the verses and the chorus really kind of stuck in my head. And, and I'd argue maybe the best vocals on the entire album. I definitely heard, this reminded me of two bands in particular. I don't know if you had the same thing, but before I get into it, do you want to venture a guess as to who that might be? Um, hmm. The, the, the verses remind me of one band and right. then the instrumental section reminds me of another. Um, it's not fresh in my mind at the moment. So All right, I'll, I'll let you know if you. I agree with you. So go ahead. The verses remind me of mob rules. Okay. That I and could then, definitely see. And then the instrumental section, uh, it reminds me very much of Hammerfall. Yep. Okay. Kind of a, yeah. The guitars are very, too. you're right. Like just even the rhythm guitars are very Hammerfall-esque. And that was another band that I picked up kind of a vibe on too. Um, Absolutely. But I mean, again, like the, the double, you know, the dual guitar thing is kind of a, a, something that kind of Halloween you know, trademarked in the beginning and, and most power metal bands kind of follow that, that same thing. But yeah, just the, the tone of the guitar is very Hammerfall esque, especially in this song. Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely agree. Um, that is, this is one of my favorite tracks on the album. Uh, I, I thought about it actually being my song of the week. I'm still debating between this and another one. I, I think I'm going to go in another direction, but this was definitely up there. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's one of the songs that they play live a lot. Yeah, they played it at um when they played at Prague Power, which if we don't if we don't talk about it um on this episode, we'll talk about it. We're going to have a, a an exclusive interview with with Andy um and we'll definitely talk about it with him and maybe we'll just save that discussion with him. I think it'll be better coming from him than us, but uh this was one of the songs that probably the only song on the album that I knew really well going into this week. And uh so I already was a big fan of the song and I still am. Nice. Um, the next track is kind of a, a little bit of a slower tune uh, with with keyboards that are very, very prominent at the beginning and one of the more melodic uh, songs on the album. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the vocal styles change during the verses and we have like a bit of a screamer here. And it's almost reminiscent of like melodic death metal in, in some ways, just the way that the, 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 the vocals kick in. Um, for the longest time, the chorus on this song was reminding me of something and I could not figure it out. And then finally, finally, the last time that I listened to, to the album on the way back from the wedding yesterday, I put my finger on it and it actually reminds me of some of the uh, balance of power material off Chemical Imbalance, which was kind of like their last release. I couldn't for the life of me figure it out. And then it hit me. This track is awesome. And like, I don't know if it's a track that like a lot of people talk about. Uh, certainly one that I'll ask Andy about because it turns out that he co-wrote this particular song as well as a handful of others on the album. I love this song. I thought it was a really refreshing track and it blended in so many styles seamlessly. Yeah. And it was like the first track on the album to kind of um, feature more aggressive vocals, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. It gave it a little bit of a, a little bit of a kind of a death metal vibe to it. Um, but um, again, the beginning of this, this I got a little bit of like a twilightning <laughs> to to go like deep in the in the weeds. Uh, One of my vibe on the, with the keyboard intro, just because yeah. um, I love this band. I mean, I'm always I always gravitate towards power metal bands that have prominent keyboards. Um, like Power Quest is probably my favorite band in the world and and they're basically a, a keyboard led power metal band uh shout out to, to dr death steve williams um 
and, and so like when I hear a song like this start out with keys like that, it, it, it already gets me excited. And so, so for it to kind of start out with that, like, you know, um, happy power metal kind of keyboard intro and then to just go into like the screamy kind of aggressive track. It's, it's a really interesting dichotomy all rolled up into to one tune, but um, the, the, the screams kind of give me a bit of a, a children of Bodom vocal. Yeah. That, that'd be the comparison I would give it. It's not like a, it's not like a real guttural kind of like um, cannibal corpse kind of sound, but more of like that, I mean, I don't know. I'm no expert in death vocals, but it did remind me of, of a Children of Bodom kind of vocal. Yeah, it was. I, I, it, I wasn't expecting it. And I think that might have been part of the reason I kind of it stood out to me so much because it just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, but you know what? I'm actually going to make it my song of the week. I, I actually enjoyed this song a lot. Uh, and the second half of this album is really good as well. But I'm, I'm going to make this my song of the week. And then kind of a well-placed power ballad right after it in Forever. Uh, you know, it's funny. I have I have it down as obligatory because it's like every one of these power albums needs this song and this was Lord's. Um, it gets a lot heavier during the instrumental section. And this was one of the tracks where Andy's bass playing really stood out to me. Um, it's kind of an epic tune uh, in, in many ways. And it's, it's a longer song. It clocks in at about eight minutes. But I thought this was a really good uh, – their version of, of the power ballad was really good. Yeah, it almost has kind of like a like a waltzy kind of tempo to it. Um, I could almost picture like this, like you know, deliberate kind of like slowed waltz dance going to it. I don't think Nick played it at his wedding, unfortunately. But <laughs> and, and um, unfortunately, we're not on videos. But I, I got to see you dance in your chair, so at least we got that going for us. Yeah, well, I, it, it was either it was either dance in the chair or or the chair collapsed underneath me because I think it was made out of. <laughs> made out of old wicker. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I was a little nervous for a little bit of that time. While I was eating my salad daintily, hoping that I didn't <laughs> end up on the floor. Thankfully that, that wedding was not videotaped. I am so glad as, as each one of us was announced to the wedding floor by the wrong name. Uh, I was like, no one will ever have to see this again. Thankfully. So and um, now you've, now you now you've just recorded it for all, for all to hear, but yes, yeah, I, but I no, one have to, no one will have to see it. So um, amen to that. Um, thoughts on forever other than, you know, like, just or just like kind of your standard run of the mill track. I I would have guessed that an eight minute power ballad would have gotten boring, and this one doesn't. So I think that's a testament to the strength of the the songwriting. Um, it's good. It's good stuff. And um, I'm not hundred percent sure if if Lord made a, a a music video for this, but um, 
if you've never seen Lord's music videos, just take like a few minutes out of your day, go to YouTube and their music videos are so fun. It's just a, a mostly just a bunch of guys having a good time. Um, it's, it's, they're, uh, uh, one of my favorite bands to add to a, a power hour set list just because their music videos are always so entertaining. These are definitely guys that don't take themselves too seriously. And, which and is refreshing, that. which is refreshing for a number of reasons. And I, I agree with you. Um, entertaining stuff to say the least after this. And it's funny. I also have in my notes doesn't feel eight minutes because it doesn't drag. And I guess that's a testament to the, to the song strength. But if it was dragging for anyone behind the light, the next track doesn't, this is a much faster track kind of with that galloping intro, a a much shorter, concise song, if you will. Uh, and, And I, just what stood out to me here with the layered vocals during the choruses, I just absolutely love how the song and ends the same. A very good track, kind of buried in the middle of the album, but a solid, solid release for a power metal disc. I I agree, and I'm actually like I'm I'm looking up um, to see if uh, like which songs from this album were um, there were music videos made for. Which I oddly enough, the one I do remember, they made a music video for the bonus track, which we'll get to. And it's very, <laughs> that's a very entertaining music video. But uh, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. This is another really good song, a little bit more of a of a mid tempo tune, um, but uh, it kind of um, yeah, it's it just it's good. It's it's a uh, it's quick, but um, it's good stuff. I, I like this one a lot. Um, which brings us to the end of days, track number nine, another one of my favorites on the album. Where, where again, you have those melodic death metal vocals and this furious double bass drum playing. What was cool about this was this this track actually has its own intro, which is like kind of like a string orchestra and then applause. I really thought that was a nice touch. To I didn't know what was happening. I thought for a second I hit the wrong button and I had another track had started. Did it remind? Uh, did it remind you of anything? Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> like it's it's. I, I heard it and I, I said to myself, "Oh, did I did I put on uh, did I put on some Megadeth by accident?" But it's really really good. I thought the opera was about to start and then the guitar riff kicks in. I said, "We're, we're not at a, we're not at a, we're not at, we're not at the opera." This is a really cool track, and I love, again, the dual-layered vocals here is just perfect. I thought they were two for two with that, and they really didn't use it all over the album, but that when they did employ it, I thought it was well done. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of fellow uh, Australian band Voyager, where like they, they sprinkle it in just enough to the point where it's not overbearing, um, and I agree with you. And the, the chorus in the song is really one of the, I think, one of the catchier choruses on the uh on the album but um very nearly my song of the week yeah and it's this is another uh pretty long one it's almost eight and a half minutes long um but definitely uh definitely a really a really strong track i mean i don't really think there were any songs i didn't think were less than very good on this whole album i don't disagree i i was pleasantly surprised What, what i will say is that that first listen that first time through on monday the track that actually stood out to most of me was Be My Guest. The concept behind this song and the execution I thought was phenomenal. I'm going to talk about the production for a second, which is I don't think this is the best sounding album. I think that the bass is a little bit like lost in the mix a little bit. I don't know. I'll, I'll ask Andy if the band was mad at him when, when, we, when we get him on. Uh, but it's just I thought the, the mix was merely okay. 
But the but when you listen to "Be My Guest," this particular track, it's just what it sounds like. the The band invited a ton of musicians to kind of come on and and do solos throughout this entire, you know, almost eight minute instrumental track and it's like a who's who of of soloists from all different walks of you know walks of life and i'll just read some of them you have craig gold uh, craig goldie the old deal guitar player you have um glenn drover formerly of megadeth and king diamond doing a guitar solo uh felipe andrioli of angra olaf mork from dragonland and amaranth um Chris Brooks, Stu Marshall, formerly of Dungeon, uh, Chris Porcienko, your boy from Vanishing Point, uh, and, and a whole host of others that it's basically just one solo after the next thrown together. And I couldn't believe how well this was done. Like it was a real pleasant surprise. And I love the title. Um, so I'm, it went right over my head. Um, like I really enjoyed the song. I was like, wow, this is a long instrumental song. It wasn't until this morning when I pulled up the album on Wikipedia and I'm like, oh, now I makes understand. sense now. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, now I'm, I'm in the know now. Yeah. And, and it was, I mean, obviously really cool of everyone to kind of jump on and do this. I don't know how they were able to produce this in such a way where it kind of goes seamlessly. It, you don't, you don't realize what it is, obviously, because it took you a bunch of listens and some, some, some fan Wikipedia page to figure it out. But like, this was really, really good and different and something that I hadn't ever seen before. I mean, you see guest spots all the time, but you don't see an entire song of guest spots, which is really what this is. Yeah. And, um, again, like, I got very he- uh, very heavy Halloween vibes on a lot of the um, the dual guitar solos where um, it just kind of and, and not just Halloween but specifically Roland and Wikey Halloween um, when they were the two guitar players in the band that kind of uh, Master of the Rings time of the oath better than raw kind of time um, the, I I always think that that's going to go down as the most underrated. Uh, like time period of Halloween, just because you have the keeper era and then you have the, the longest running lineup now and then the reunion era. So I feel like it's going to leave that part of Halloween's history kind of a little bit um, underappreciated, but I definitely got that time of the oath kind of feel from, from this one. Yeah. And, and obviously that's when we started listening to them. So a a little bit of a nostalgia feel for us, but, yeah, great song, well done. And uh, to bring you back down, we go to New Horizons, which is the uh, penultimate track. To me, this is your classic Hammerfall ballad. Um, not not my favorite song on the album, but a, a good ballad, very much in the in the Hammerfall vein. Yeah, I like this one a lot. I think that Lord does a, a really good job at the at the more slower, emotional, uh, ballady type tracks, and this is another example of that. And I, I like this one a lot. And what are your and- thoughts? On Kylie Minaj, <laughs> I, I I love this uh, cover, um, I, and I'll be very honest with you. To this day, I don't think I've ever actually heard the original song. I, I know "Locomotion." I think is the the extent of my Kylie Minogue knowledge. I just I remember she made like a comeback in the early two thousands, but I don't remember what the song was. Um, but um, 
I, I'm guessing the song is good because, like, the cover of it is, is a blast. And uh, and for an Australian I, band, I think it's very fitting. But just to, to to clear things up, on a night like this is the closing track of the album. And and I, from what I understand, that other other regions had different bonus tracks, but they all had this track on the album, which is obviously a you know she she's very famous in Australia. I'd be lying if I said I knew more than. Well, one other song. So I, I, I agree with you. Uh, but this is just a really fun cover. And I'm just kind of a sucker for covers to end albums. I just think it's a nice tribute to the past in many ways. And in this case. Yeah. And w- take it, if, watch the music video if you haven't seen it. It's, it's great. Um, we should post it th- during the week. It's just worth, worth watching. Um, some versions of the album also have a track, Hear No Evil. And I kind of went out of my way to, I think I had, when I was purchasing everything from them, I bought the, they did a hear no evil EP, uh, which featured this song and also has on a night like this, I guess, in case, I don't know if there were any versions that were missing that track. I think you just said that they were all on it. So, um, Mm -hmm. and then there's another version of, uh, like an alternate version of set in stone also, but hear no evil is another kind of just cool, um, faster paced power metal song, which is, if you're going to listen to the rest of the album and you don't have this, you know, you can jump onto YouTube or grab, just grab it for 99 cents on the iTunes store. It's, uh, it's worth it just to kind of fill out your, your set in stone era collection of Lord songs. I like it. I like it a lot. And, and I'll, and I'll say this, and, and this is the biggest kind of testament to the album. It clocks in at 63 minutes and 52 seconds. The album does not feel 63 minutes and 52 seconds. It feels like your typical 45 to 50 minute album, which I thought was a testament to the strength of some of these tracks. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we mentioned, like there's a a handful of songs that are rather, rather long, like, you know, between almost seven minutes up to almost, you know, eight and a half minutes. But I mean, it never drags and and that's, that's really great. And um, like, I just remember, I think of like, dragon force after their first album there they would have like these eight minute nine minute ten minute like power metal and it was power metal songs and it was so masturbatory and and repetitive to me in a lot of cases and i'm like these songs do not need to be this long or like the song saint anger by metallica it's like why is this song so long it's such a good song if you can just radio edit version would have been better yeah, like make it a four minute song. It doesn't need to be this long because you're basically just playing the song over again, <laughs> just for yeah. the sake of it. And and that you don't get that sense at all on this album. It's it's really good stuff. And I'm glad that um, Rob asked us to listen to it. It kind of reminded me that I really need to do a deeper dive on this band on a personal level, maybe go on a personal journey, if you will, yeah. um, and uh, and just get into because. As far as everything new they've done, you know, their What Tomorrow Brings EP and their Fallen Idols album and their Undercovers, uh, you know, cover album, that stuff I'm very familiar with because I just bought them when they came out and listened to them when they came out. But the older stuff, again, like I said, it was very uh, daunting to see a band with that much material. Um, and then I went ahead and, and I couldn't resist buying the Dungeon Era box set and then that just added another um because it, it came with both the the re-recorded versions of the dungeon songs but also came with the original recordings of the dungeon songs. so i found myself with an extra seven or eight albums to listen to and i'm just like oh my god i just overwhelmed myself i i i would i've not heard the re-recorded material how does it sound compared to some of the older stuff because the, some of the dungeon material obviously you're going back to the to the mid to late 90s it's 
kind of raw sounding, which, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the albums were at that time, just sonically, does it sound much improved? Because I'm, I'm just curious about that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like any other Lord album from the, you know, the, 2013 2014 2015 around that time and and i'm assuming that was the reason they went ahead and did this because they probably recognized that they weren't dealing with the with the cleanest production values initially so and even though it was worth it yeah go ahead it was worth it for them to go back and kind of redo it with the current lineup and and being that tim was still their vocalist i mean it still has that um you know that classic dungeon vocal sound so um yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of that older stuff. If you want to hear it a little bit more cleaned up, a little more modernized, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, and even this album, like I said, I didn't think the production was the best, but their newer stuff got much better. and They've really stepped up their game in that department. Their stuff is very, very clean, but still has that raw you know, power metal sound to it in many ways. Uh, I'll ask you this, a scale of 1 to 10, what are you giving this? I am giving this a uh, 8.25. Um, I think it's a, a, a very, very good album, and um, I enjoy it very much. And I think that um, I think it's going to be one of those things where as the years go on and I go back and listen to it, it's going to become more nostalgic for me, and it'll probably, the, it'll probably become higher than an 8.25 in the future. But um, I, I was surprised at how much I ended up enjoying this. I mean, I knew I was going to enjoy it, but I enjoyed it more than even – what I expected to. And, um, and I think 100 reasons is going to become like a, a regular play for me. I just really, really enjoyed that song a lot. And, and, uh, I thought it was funny how you kind of introed it as an outlier, and I was just like, yep, song of the week. So. Yeah. It, listen, I mean, it's, it's unquestionably an outlier on this. It just, it has a different feel to it. Like I said, it harkened me back to, uh, I don't know, Dr. Feelgood or something, at least to start. And then it kind of just morphed into, uh, I don't know, Vainglory Opera. It was really kind of a a, a weird track, but I I certainly see the appeal. To me, the album is an uh, an 8.0. I thought it was very, very good, and it was trending up, you know, up. I don't know if I would have ever gone back and listened to this, so I I am very appreciative of the recommendation, and I look forward to – asking some more questions of Andy when we get him on the line, just because there's, there's, there's stuff that I just want to know that I think he'll be able to, to answer that I, I myself, as I sit here and talk to you don't really know or appreciate, but this album was a, a really good listen. Um, and before we get to your album of the week for next week, uh, some metal news that I think is definitely, definitely worth noting. Just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, one of your favorite frontmen of all time is hanging up the, the the leather pants. David Lee Roth calling it quits after so many decades. I, I, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just glad you said leather pants and not assless chaps. So, well, um, yeah, I guess that's that's true. Um, it, it's you. It's it's funny when you think about these legends, but he's been doing it for so long. Um, I, I can certainly understand why he's he's hanging it up. I think he's doing a residency in Las Vegas right now, but this is this is the end of the road for him. Yeah, I mean, he definitely is one of my favorite vocalists of all time. But if you've heard anything live from him over the the end of the Van Halen live era, I mean, he was living on reputation alone. I feel like his vocals were just not good, and, and you know, years of of touring and partying and stuff is going to catch up to you. I think that. I think that in the end, at the end of the Van Halen era, um, Sammy's going to be remembered as the better live vocalist. But um, 
I'm always going to be a, 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 a Roth guy. Um, just the, the, those original, uh, 1984 and previous Van Halen songs are always going to just be a, a notch above the, the, anything they did with, with Sammy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I never got to see him live, which sucks, but maybe, maybe it's a good thing. I don't have to like go out on this memory of him being a shell of his former self, but you can't take away the fact that this guy was the ultimate front man and put on a show, even if he couldn't sing. I mean, the guy was entertaining as hell. And, and, uh, so, I mean, cheers to, to a a phenomenal career and, um, you know, a a controversial, but, um, uh, he's a, he's a legend in hard, hard rock and heavy metal. And so, uh, good luck to, uh, to David Lee Roth and everything he does. Uh, and, uh, Adam, Adam Sandler was the one who made me realize that he likes the menorah. So (laughs) thank you, Adam Sandler for that. Uh, one other bit of news, uh, which I think is worth mentioning a little bit of sad news. Uh, we, we've obviously covered sabotage on this show. I'll, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. We, we are planning on doing another sabotage album at the start of December, um, which is kind of our unofficial sabotage month. Uh, here, here at the Metal Exchange, John Oliva arrested for DUI and cocaine possession. I, I got the news yesterday. I was very disheartened to hear this. Um, 62 years old, arrested at 3.45 in the morning um, and, and ultimately released from jail, but facing some serious charges. Uh, just want to make sure that the, 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 the Mountain King is okay because he is a true legend and I just hope he's taking care of himself. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I just came across something I found really interesting. Um, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth is doing a, uh, a, a cross, um, a, a, an autograph signing slash beer tasting event in, in Nashville, um, which is really cool. And uh, I, I never tried the Saison 13, but the, the Toot Le Monde beer, um, which both are, are, gra- are crafted by the, the brewery Unibrow, um, the two, I love the Toot Le Mans beer. It was very, it was like this light, but hoppy kind of flavor. I, I, I went to this bar that had it on tap and, um, I didn't know anything about it. And I had one. I loved it so much. I had three of them and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to get so wrecked. And then I went home and I found out it was like 4.0% <laughs> alcohol. It's actually like a fairly light beer. Um, but it, I thought it was a very tasty beer. And as somebody who, I thought the Iron Maiden beer was disappointing and Pearl Jam made a beer that I didn't think was very good. Um, this was probably one of my favorites along with, um, uh, who was it? Um, another band. I, I really enjoyed their beer. Um, I'm, uh, I'm blanking on it, but, um, this was one of my favorite band related beers. Uh, I I'd like to try the, the Saison as well, but I just thought that was kind of a fun thing. I know Dave is always, always saying something to, to get some, everybody up in, in, in some sort of uproar. But, um, this sounds like a kind of a cool thing. If you're a Megadeth fan, I went to see Megadeth uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, at an outdoor venue, Jones beach here on long Island, a couple of weeks ago, as I, as I said, they had the, uh, the Saison 13 beer as one of like the beer specials. And I had, more than one. It is fantastic. And I, I like the Toot Le Mans beer as well. I thought the Saison 13 was even better. Uh, little Packs a little bit more punch. It's got, I think, over 6% alcohol, but it's just a really, really tasty drink. Uh, I think Beers of the World may be calling. You got to get over there and uh, grab that in your area. 
Yeah, I'm wondering if people like were messaging Dave and being like, "Your beer didn't get us screwed up enough. Like, get us a stronger beer." And, and he did because the, I'll tell you, <laughs> but it's 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 one of those high alcohol content beers, but it doesn't quite taste like you're drinking like you know something yeah. with high I call alcohol that, content. I call that dangerous. Yes, uh, <laughs> which is which is the the best definition I can give it. But I I, I definitely recommend it and give it two thumbs up. Um, so very, very interesting there, but, um, I guess that brings us to, um, next week. Obviously we'll, we'll drop an interview later this week, but I, what, what am I listening to this week? Oh, I think you're going to be very, very pleased. Um, so I've been kind of holding back on this one because there was an interview I wanted to get for us and, um, I had to wait until the, the interviewee was available and, uh, that interviewee would be, uh, former Halloween guitarist Roland Grappo, uh, who has agreed to do an interview with us. And uh, being that our good friend Justin Westmoreland had asked us to talk about uh, Master Plan's debut self-titled album, I'm going to just bring all these things all together in in one fell swoop. Um, This is one of my all-time favorite albums. I think it's one of the best debut albums that any band's ever released. Um, And... As a diehard Halloween fan, the chance to, to kind of chat with Roland, who I got to meet at Prague Power, and is just a super nice guy. Um, I'm really looking forward to listening to this again and also getting to chat with, with Roland. So uh, I I can't believe I made it through I can't believe I made it through three days hanging out with you without um, without saying anything. I, um, Even Mike came up to me at one point. He's like, "Did you tell Justin about Roland?" I like, asked oh. you not to tell me, but I'll just give you the round of applause again. I don't know how you pulled this off, but I'm a, I'm, I'm like fanboying out here. Uh, this <laughs> this album is like gold. And and obviously there's so much that went into this time period and the band has it has evolved from there with a number of good releases, but I, I look forward to this immensely and Roland just seems like such a good guy. So I think that'll be a really awesome chat with him. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've well been, done. Well done, my friend. Well, we, done. we've been on a roll with, um, with getting great guests to talk to and we'll be talking to Andy Dowling, um, later on today, which will, that, and that episode will drop in a, a few days after this one. And, um, it's just been so much fun. Uh, and it was, it was, we got to talk a lot to our, our, our good friends uh, over the weekend about um, just the whole process and how we got started on this. And, and, you know, like Brian had mentioned, he's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you guys have done over 50 episodes of these. And he was listening to the eternity X episode in the car. And he, he told me, he called me up and he's like, I had to stop the episode and go back and listen to the album so that I had a little bit more context to to what I was listening to, but he was like, he was like, you really kind of like brought back all these memories of this album. I listened to so many times in high school. So, um, and that's the kind of reaction that like, I love to hear. And um, so it was cool to have like an old friend kind of listen to it for the first time and have some thoughts about it. And, and um, he, he said that his, the thing that he really enjoyed was hearing the, the kind of personal anecdotes that went along with, where we were when we first heard it and, and what it, what kind of um, emotions and thoughts and memories that it elicit. So um, that was really cool. So um, yeah, it's, it's, this has been so much fun and we carry on. Yeah, Carry on. We do Um, great choice for next week. I look forward to it to everyone else out there. Continue to uh, 
contact us. We, we love hearing from you. And um, it really brightens my day, especially when people we don't know are, are, are finding us and listening to us and, and sending us feedback one way or another. So we appreciate that. If there's any albums you want us to do, Send the requests over. We're happy to um, we're happy to do your albums that you want to hear. Engage with us on social media and uh, spread the word. And we'll be back to you uh, a little bit later this week, and then again next week with some master plan. Good job, Chris. I'm I'm, I'm proud of you. I, I like this one oh, a lot. Thanks. Um, I, I don't think we heard back from Rob as far as what his song of the week is, but I'm sure we'll hear from him before we post it. So we'll post his song hundred um, during the week. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks to Rob for the, the request. Good stuff. And, and yeah, like Justin said, keep those requests coming because it, it, th- these are becoming kind of my favorite ones to do because they're usually um, something that I really need to kind of go back and, and re-familiarize myself or familiarize myself for the first time with. So um, As we'll be doing next month because we have, uh, we have next month picked out and uh, it's something that both of us have zero familiarity with. So yes. that'll, be, that'll, be, that'll be different to say the least. Yeah, so um, good, good stuff. I, I'm excited to talk to Andy later today and roll in sometime next week and and uh, just roll on and, and keep doing what we're doing. It's it's been a blast. Thanks for everybody for all the the kind words and, and uh, yeah, just uh, as always, I'm very very grateful to be doing this with you. Cheers. I will talk to you soon, bud. Take it easy. All right. Take care.